Who remembers that last Sunday at the end of the sermon, I gave a homework assignment, okay? And that homework assignment was for, for families to reach out to another family to begin to build relationships and to kind of start to hang out together. So here's my question. Did anyone do their homework this week? Did anybody reach out to another family and invite them over? Okay, then I'm going back to that sermon and we're doing it over again. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> now, I strongly encourage you because I really believe it is important that we build strong relationships, we build community in the faith, in our faith family. So, especially those of you with kids, reach out, invite somebody over, let the kids hang out, you guys get together uh, and, and just have some fun. This is a really important uh, thing to do. So uh, I'll be asking again. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching, okay? So today we're in uh, part four of our series, Guardians of the Family. I think family is something worth fighting for, amen? Uh, uh, our relationships with the kids, uh, uh, and, and just pouring into the next generation. Uh, our marriages are worth fighting for. You know, there are evil forces that are working against the family today. Would you agree? Uh, Christian marriages are under attack, and, and we see it. Uh, marriages fail, families divide, kids rebel. Uh, we've just been seeing it over and over again, and there are folks that, you know, are in a joyless marriage. Perhaps the foundation of the relationship has been eroded through some kind of a lack of trust or some hurtful deed. Uh, maybe some have just over a period of time uh, grown apart and that once hot burning fire of passion is, is turned into just a smoldering uh, ember. Uh, I don't have to give you the statistics to tell you that marriages are under attack right now. We all see the devastating effects of spiritual warfare uh, as it is seeking to destroy the picture of Christ's love for the church that is embodied through a Christian marriage. The statistics are not pretty. Marriage is a commitment before God between a man and a woman to spend a lifetime loving and serving each other for God's glory. That's what it's all about. It was designed by God in the Garden of Eden, uh, and it's a beautiful expression of unhindered love. So I believe Adam and Eve truly loved each other. They shared complete transparency. It was a perfect man in love with a perfect woman living in a perfect place. Neither of them brought baggage into the relationship. There were no in-laws to contend with. They shared a close relationship with each other. They had meaningful responsibilities as they lived and worked in the garden. But just as quickly as it began, their marriage came under attack. Genesis chapter 3. Verse one, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And with this deceptive lie, the first shot was fired that would start the process of bringing down mankind and marriages and everything, families with it. In the next few moments, I want to talk about how we can protect our marriages. By protecting our marriages, I believe we're also protecting our families. 
Uh, there is just a barrage of evil that is seeking to attack, uh, especially Christian marriages today. And the, so we want to see how do we, how do we keep it uh, from tearing us apart and from you know, taking asunder that which God has joined together. So we're going we're gonna to pray, and then we're going to jump right into just looking at this, how we can build strong marriages. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and uh, God, we, we are humbled to be in your house. Lord, it is a privilege to come and to worship you and to lift up your name and to worship as we did in song. Now, Father, as we open the word of God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, I believe that you have something for each person in this room from our time together in your word and this message. So God, speak to us. Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to the truth you'd have us to receive. Uh, God, show us how we, we can have strong marriages, how we can build strong families. And God, how we can stand against the, the schemes of the devil, how we can safeguard and protect our marriages. Uh, God, it's so important. So God, we just dedicate this time to you, and God, I pray that you would help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So your marriage is ground zero for a very real spiritual battle. Satan attacked the first marriage, and he will attack and keep attacking marriages until the very end. The Bible refers to him as your adversary. He's against you. I want to share some principles with you, some biblical truths today that I believe will help you not only protect your marriage and your family, but to build up and to safeguard what really I believe is your most important relationship. And that's why I believe it's so important that families get together because we are in this together. We need the support of each other because we're all under attack. Pastor Jensen Franklin said this, and I want to quote what he said. He said, our enemy has a very determined agenda, and destroying your marriage is high on his list of things to do. Too many believers are losing this battle, not because it cannot be won, but because they cannot see the path to victory. The good news is that for every marriage killer and for every mountain the enemy builds to discourage you, a savior stands ready to help you. And I couldn't agree more. We need to realize the fact that, yes, our marriages are under attack, but we're not alone in this battle. We have the word of God. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have a church family to walk with us, to help us, to encourage us. Why is Satan so determined to destroy marriages? Well, I believe it's because a Christian marriage is a reflection of Christ's love for the church. We see that throughout scripture, especially in the book of Ephesians. Paul writes this. He says, Ephesians 5, verse 25, husbands, love your wives, what? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present who? The church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. That's why I believe Satan wants to destroy Christian marriages, because it's a picture of Jesus' love for the church. You break down that picture, and, and so much else comes crashing down. It was a foreshadow of the relationship that we have with Christ. We see it. The man leads, loves, and serves his wife because that is how Christ 
gives himself for his bride, the church. And the wife respects, submits to, and helps her husband because that is how the church of God follows Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. This has been God's intention all along. Christian marriages are a picture of God's love for us. So when we see a biblical marriage, people actually see the gospel on display. And marriage, really, they're one of the most beautiful things that we get to experience uh, on earth. It's a living, breathing illustration of God's love, and Satan hates it. And so he's going to do everything he can. He'll use every trick in his toolbox to try and destroy your marriage, to, to attack the foundation of your marriage, to creep into your relationship, to cause problems. Peter wrote a letter to the church and he said this, 1 Peter 3, verse 8. He says, be alert, of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Satan wants to destroy what God wants to deploy. He wants to do everything he can to destroy you. Says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You ever seen Nat Geo? You know, the lion's going out there and the hyena's going out there. You know, they, you know it, isn't just a, it isn't just a really pretty little fight. I mean, it gets kind of nasty. That's, Satan wants to destroy you and destroy your marriage. Just before Jesus ascended to heaven, he commissioned the church to take the gospel to the very ends of the earth. He called us ambassadors. We are his representatives. You and I are called to carry light into the midst of darkness. And so Satan wants to do everything he can to distract us, to destroy us, as the text says, to actually devour us. He wants to bring you down. He wants to bring your marriage down. So how do we protect our marriages? How do we make it so that we're not a statistic? How do we make sure that, that our family makes it for the long haul? Today, I just want to give you some thoughts that I think will help strengthen your marriage relationships, help you to overcome the challenges that we all face, and how to safeguard your marriage, the covenant that you made before God to build a strong family. So I want to give you just four thoughts here this morning. Uh, number one, it starts by making an effort to work on your marriage. Make an effort to work on your marriage because a great marriage takes work. Each of you must be willing to submit significant time into deepening the friendship that you have with your spouse. This week, Karen and I celebrated our 31st wedding anniversary, 31 years, and here's what I've learned. We're still learning things about each other, right? Even after 31 years, we, we are discovering new things every day. You have to be intentional about wanting a great marriage. Don't settle for an okay marriage, a mediocre marriage. Make it great. Put the effort into it. Don't set it and forget it. You know, Put some effort into having a great relationship. Both of you, you have very different upbringings. As kids, you watched your parents, whether right or wrong, in the way that they did things, the, the life and the way that they build the family. I mean, the way husbands and wives communicate is, is different, right? 
In most relationships, there's a turtle and a skunk, right? You know, a turtle in, in times of conflict, what does a turtle do? They, they, they withdraw back in their shell and they kind of go into protect mode. A skunk, when a skunk's mad, everybody knows it, right? You know, and in most relationships, and don't point fingers, you know, uh, there's usually a turtle and there's usually a skunk. When it comes to how we spend money, there's usually a saver and there's usually a spender, right? You know, one that, you know, wants to go out and spend everything they have, another wants to save everything we have. There's differences in how holidays are celebrated, what kind of vacations we have, right? There's usually one that likes the mountains and one that likes the beaches, right? How many mountain lovers do we have here? Raise your hand if you're a mountain lover. All right, how many beach lovers? Okay, how many Mexican food lovers? Okay, right. <laughs> uh, how often you go to church, right? You know, some of you grew up in a family where you, you know, you went in Christmas, you went on Easter, and maybe on Mother's Day, right? And then others came from a family where you went every Sunday. And so, you know, there's some things there you have to, how you handle disagreements. You know, when you're just, there's just something that you just don't agree on. How is that resolved? How do you, how do you come to a conclusion on that? There are many other things, you know, that we witness growing up. And then when we get married, we bring all of those things into our, into our marriage. And it takes some time to work through all that and to get to the place where you live in harmony. At the wedding ceremony, God joins together two people who are vastly different in all of these important topics. Perhaps us preachers should start a wedding by saying, in this corner weighing 130 pounds with three knockouts, you know, is the bride, you know, because that's kind of what it is, right? You got two people that are coming from totally different backgrounds and, you know, they're joining together. God is making them one, and they're going to have to work out those differences. And it's okay that you have differences. It's healthy. It's normal. It's right. But you're going to have to learn how that you, that you navigate those differences. Just recognize that you're different, that you have different values, that you have different experiences, different ideas that shape who you are. And as you grow together, uh, you're going to have to work through those things. You're going to have to learn to compromise. Um, understand there's some things that you'll never agree on, that you're just going to see them completely different, and that's okay too. But you stay committed to each other, and you continue to work on your relationship. Read some books on marriage. I, 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 think, I think this is so important. You know, If you're going to invest in building your relationship, learn from others who've gone before you. There are some fantastic resources that you can read, you can borrow the books, go to the library, you can get them on Amazon. Uh, just get some books to, to deal with the different issues that you may face if you're not sure what to do. And guys don't, oh, I don't read any. Well, you don't have to anymore. You can download it and listen to it, right? So that is no longer an excuse, you know? Download the book and listen to it and learn. It's a part of investing in your relationship. You need to be committed to your marriage. You need to put forth great effort to make it great. Because here's what I know, your marriage is gonna face some serious obstacles. There are gonna be some things that are gonna be challenging for you to deal with. You're gonna go through some stressors that you never saw coming and you never thought you were gonna to have to deal with. And at that time, you're gonna need that marriage to be strong. You're gonna face periods of change. One or both of you are gonna change careers. You're gonna pack up and move to a different location. Uh, you're gonna have kids. 
And, you know, you're going you're gonna to face differences in the economy. We've all been through, you know, kind of a crazy period here for the last several years. You're going to face health, health challenges that you, you, you didn't realize that was anything that was ever going to happen to you. You're going to face spiritual attacks. You're going to have sin issues. You're going to have work problems. You're going to have in-laws that, you know, kind of pull this way and pull that way. You're going to face so many different things, and you must have a strong marriage to weather these kind of things. And you have a strong marriage because you've invested in it before you hit all of these things. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, and if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Listen, you can't work together if you're pulling in opposite directions. I feel sorry for men who don't have the support of their wives and what they're doing. And I feel sorry for the ladies who feel the same, that they don't have the support in their husbands, from their husbands of what they're doing. It's only a matter of time before they're going to start falling apart. So let me give you some ideas of you know, where you really need to be on the same page. You know, those of you with young kids, you know, the way that you raise the kids, the way you rear your children uh, is going to be important that you get on the same page. Uh, everybody raises their kids. You you, your, your parents raise you different than your spouse's parents raised them. And so you're going to have to get on the same page as what's going to be acceptable, what's going to be allowed, how are we going to deal with discipline issues and all these different kinds of things. Finances and spending, you got, you've, you've got to build a budget. You need a written budget. You need to know where your, what your income is. You need to know what your expenses are. And, and you need to make sure that there's more income than there is outflow. And you have to have a budget. You can't just wing it. And you just can't go out and buy whatever you want. You can't just be putting everything on credit card and hoping it all works out in the end. You know, you need to have a budget. You need to share your family's goals and vision. What, what, what do you want to do? What are you working towards? Where are you going? What things do you enjoy? You know, begin to build you know, those goals so that you can say, hey, we want to do this, we want to achieve this, and this, these are some things that we want to do. Write those down. Know what your goals are. Determine, determine what your relationship at church is going to be and how involved you're going to be and what, what you want to do. These are areas where a lot of times people have different opinions, but you've got to come together. You've got to compromise. You've got to communicate. It's so important. So make an effort to work on your marriage. Secondly, learn what love is and what love is not. You know, love is not a warm, gushy feeling. It may produce those feelings from time to time, but love is so much more than a feeling. If your love is based on feelings, there's going to come a day when you aren't feeling it, right? There's going to come a day when, when you're not real happy with your spouse, you're not feeling it. So, so then what? Then what are you going to do? Love isn't something you fall into, and it's not something that you fall out of. Love is a choice. You're making a choice to love your spouse. You're making a choice to intentionally invest time in building that relationship and growing your friendship. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. He said, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. In 30 years of ministry, almost 31, next week it'll be 31, I have officiated countless weddings. I, I have no idea how many weddings I have performed. 
Uh, there'll be times I'll get on an airplane to fly some, somewhere, and I'll be walking down the aisle to get to my seat, and I'll say, hey, Pastor Neptune. And I'll look, and they'll say, hey, remember us? You married us 10 years ago. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, hey, how you doing? You know, <laughs> like, oh, no, you know. I can't remember every person that I've married. I, I just can't. But I can't think of a wedding ceremony that I've done in 31 years where I didn't read this passage of Scripture. Everybody wants this passage of Scripture. This is kind of wedding ceremony 101. You read 1 Corinthians 13 because it really does give good advice on how to have a great marriage and what it means to love your spouse. Right out of the gate, it says love is patient. You need to be patient with your spouse. Don't get bent out of shape when things don't go your way or according to your timing. Be patient. Love is kind, therefore demonstrates compassion and goodwill in all their interactions. Love doesn't envy or boast. You're not competitive. You're not self-exalting. Love is not proud. Therefore, it's not putting other people down. Love doesn't dishonor others. It's flexible. It's built around a consideration for other people. It's not self-seeking. It's not resentful. Not easily angered. Doesn't hold a grudge. Doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Well, you did this, and I haven't forgotten it. Listen, you need to, you need to forgive and move on. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It doesn't celebrate sin. Scripture says love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's persistent. It's hopeful. It's optimistic. It's unconditional. Love doesn't give in to cynicism and despair. Love never ends. It goes on forever. It's a beautiful picture of the love that God has for us that lasts for eternity. Amen? All of these aspects of love are things that you and I are to do according to Scripture on a daily basis. When both people in marriage seek this kind of love and put this kind of uh, love into action, they're creating a marriage that is a beautiful picture of Christ's love for the church because this is the way that he loves us. So learn what love is and what love isn't. Make the effort to have a great marriage. Third, find common ground when you disagree because disagreements are gonna happen, right? Right? You're both individuals, you're both unique, you both have strong opinions on many things. In all likelihood, the, the fact that you chose to get married means you probably agree on probably at least 90% of things. I mean, you, you're, you're consistent, your values are very similar on 90% of the things, but there's that 10% that can really cause, the, could really cause some fireworks, right? The Apostle Paul, he said this, 1 Corinthians 9. Though I'm free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. You know, Paul was being criticized. He was being misrepresented in his absence. 
And so he comes back and he's writing to explain to them his motives here. And I think he's setting a great example for us because what he's saying is, listen, I made every effort to find common ground with those that I disagreed with. Whether that's people in the church or whether that's people in your family, whether that's your own spouse. You're going to have to find and work towards common ground. There are disagreements that are going to happen in your house. You're going to have to work through it. There's some things that you're just going to have to do. And when you do it, even in your spouse knows that you don't like doing it, but you choose to do it anyhow, you're demonstrating your love. And it will actually build a stronger connection in your relationship. It shows the fact that they are important to you because you're willing to do something you don't really like because you love them. So you're going to find yourself perhaps doing some things that you wouldn't ordinarily do, but you do it because you love your spouse, right? Visiting art galleries, for example, you know? Some of you may love going to art galleries, and some of you would rather have your teeth pulled, you know, than go to an art gallery. But you do it. Well, it may be the same thing as sporting events. There may be some that love sporting events and some that don't love sporting events. Attending concerts, you know, or the opera, or window shopping, or going on hikes, or gardening, Raising chickens. (laughs) You just never know when your spouse might just decide they're a chicken lover. You know, so put a smile on your face and go get the eggs, you know? Seek common ground with your spouse. It will deepen your relationship. It demonstrates your love. Sometimes you just do things for your spouse that maybe you just don't like to do. But in doing it, you're demonstrating love. You do it joyfully. You do it without complaining. Because you want, you, you want them to be happy. You know, and their happiness is important to you. You know, so you know, there's gonna be times where you're gonna sit through hours of things that you don't enjoy, maybe watching sports games or planting a garden or something like this, but you just do it. And you work to compromise. Common ground is built on compromise. It's it's trying to find a win-win outcome that leaves both of you happy. You know, sometimes the best way to settle a dispute is say, okay, we're, we're going to compromise in this situation. Maybe the wife will say, listen, I'll watch the kids so you can go golfing with your buddies on Saturday. And then you'll watch the kids so I can go to Cancun for a week with the ladies, you know, <laughs> you know compromise, you know, you're going to disagree in many different things, how money is spent, where to vacation, how the kids are going to be educated, where the kids are going to go to church, what, what we're going to do around the house, whose responsibilities it are for the different, you know, different areas of taking care of the house, how you spend your holidays. Remember when you first got married and you had to navigate the holiday schedule? Do you remember that? You know, trying to keep all of the family happy. Where are we going to spend Thanksgiving? Where are we going to spend Christmas Eve? Where are we going to spend Christmas Day? You know, different traditions, different houses, different family meals. I mean, it was exhausting, right? When Karen and I were first married, we had many heated debates about where we were going to spend the holidays. And then after years of disagreements, I finally deferred to Karen's plan. We'd go to her family for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. And we'd go to my family for Groundhog Day, Kwanzaa, and Ramadan. (laughs) It was a great compromise. Sometimes that's just what you have to do. You compromise. So what have we talked about this morning? First, you need to make an effort to work on your marriage because your marriage is under attack. 
Never forget that your marriage is always in the crosshairs of the devil. He wants to destroy your marriage. He's looking for a way that he can get in and destroy you. Secondly, learn what love is and what love is not. Don't buy into this idea, well, I fell out of love. I just don't have the feelings anymore. Well, listen, the feelings follow the actions. You just act loving and you're gonna find that the feelings follow. You know, you be loving, make the choice to love. Third, find common ground in your disagreements. You're gonna disagree on things. Find common ground. Communicate and work together until you come up with a resolution. And finally, never give up. Never give up in your marriage. Sometimes it may feel like your differences are just too big to overcome. Maybe you feel overwhelmed and you just don't know how your relationship can be repaired. Sometimes your marriage shows signs of neglect like an unweeded garden or an unkept lawn. You may find yourself one day wondering, is it even worth trying? And my answer to you today is yes. Yes, it is worth the effort. Never give up on your marriage covenant. Your marriage is going to go through some tough times, good times and bad times, but don't throw it all away when you go through a rough patch. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your family. That's what this whole series has been about, about you know, being guardians of the family, fighting for our family. We need to do that today. Don't give in, don't give up, don't walk away. You made a covenant before God and others that went something like this. And I've had hundreds stand in front of me and say this. I take you to be my lawfully wedded spouse, my closest friend, my faithful partner in life, and my one true love. On this special day, I give to you my sacred promise to stand by your side as your faithful spouse in sickness and in health, in joy and in sorrow, through the good times and the bad. I promise to love you without reservation, comfort you in times of distress, laugh with you and cry with you, always be open and honest with you, and cherish you for as long as we both shall live. You know how many times I've said that? And I would gather that probably every person in this room that is married has said vows similar to that. And can I just say, if you made that vow, keep your vow. Keep your vow. You stood before God, before preacher, for your family and friends, and you made that vow that through the good and bad, sickness and health, and you know what God did? God took two and made them one. He joined you together in a special way. Pharisees came to Jesus in Matthew 19. They asked, is it lawful for, a man, lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? What did Jesus say? Verse four, haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When you stood before your spouse and you said, I do, you made a covenant before God and he joined you together and made you one flesh. Do not separate what God has joined together. 
Too many people today are choosing to walk away from their marriages instead of working on them. Hey, it takes work. It takes hard work, and it can be tough. And it can be challenging and discouraging. But you do it. You put forth the effort. You work because your marriage is worth fighting for. Pray, work, compromise, communicate, sacrifice, go to counseling, get help, do whatever it takes. Just don't quit. There's a spiritual war going on and Satan is determined to destroy our marriages and our families and ultimately our lives. He's going to destroy any picture of the gospel that he can. So friends, my challenge to you today is to protect your marriage. It requires work, but it's worth it. A good marriage isn't something you find. It's something you make. So let's make it great. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> thank you that you give us your word to show us how to have strong relationships, how to build strong marriages, what it truly means to be joined together as one. God, I pray for every marriage in Venture Church. I pray for every person who's listening to this sermon, whether here or online or driving down the road some later time. God, maybe they're facing a challenge. Maybe they're discouraged. Maybe, maybe, maybe this, is, this message was just for them today because they're thinking about walking away. They're ready to throw in the towel. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit and the Word of God would speak to their hearts and show them what they should do. Give them clarity, God. And God, I pray that you would protect the families in this church. God, that you would put a hedge of protection around them. That God, that you would, you would put some safeguards in place. That you would help them to draw close to each other, close to other families in the church. Because God, we need each other in these times. God, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We know that we face a formidable foe. We know that Satan is attacking marriages and families today. We see it every day. But God, help us to stand strong. Help us to do what's right. Help us to build good and godly relationships for your glory. And God, may our marriages be a beautiful picture of Christ's love for the church. God, we so look forward to the day when you return and send Jesus to come back and get us so that we can be united in heaven for eternity. But until then, God, help us to do what you called us to do. So, Father, I pray for folks that today, maybe they're really struggling. God, give them your grace. Give them your help. God, give them hope. May they see the light. And may they know that they can, they can have a great marriage. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand as we sing our final song this morning.